our podcast and the video cast introductions. Uh, we're actually traveling currently through Central America, where we are traveling through uh, Mexico, and then we travel into uh, Belize, into Guatemala, and now we're actually in San Salvador, and we're uh, this, which is the capital of El Salvador. And from here, we're actually making our way into Honduras, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, and we're actually documenting it all through uh, photo video blog posts on our uh, Daddy Blogger World Tour at daddyblogger.com. Uh, so make sure you check that out and to follow our journey across social media, through videos, etc. And as we're traveling, we actually love interviewing fellow world travelers, fellow entrepreneurs, and especially fellow dads. And on this particular episode, I actually have a dad who's a dad of not one kid, not two kids, not three kids, not four kids, but five kids. I just have three kids. And it's a lot of work with three kids. So I can just imagine with the five kids, it's an uh, even uh, bigger blessing, but obviously uh, bigger challenges as well. And our uh, our, <laughs> our guest today uh, is an expert in the area of productivity. And I think this is a struggle that a lot of uh, dads face as uh, you know entrepreneurs, as balancing marriage and uh, family responsibilities and business. So he's actually a published author of a book called Get It Done. So we're gonna be finding out a lot about uh, our guest today, Joel, about his family, about his travels, about business, and much more. Uh, so, Joel, uh, how are you doing over there today in the U.S.? Yes, doing well. Yeah, so I'm here in Columbus, Ohio, which I'm sure is much colder and uncomfortable than where you're located. I think we're at like negative or maybe like five degrees or something today, so much less temperate than where you are right now. Yeah, no, it's uh, definitely hot and sunny weather here in El Salvador. I think it was like about 29 degrees Celsius today. So it was actually quite hot. We were sweating as we were walking around. I'm actually from Vancouver, nice. Vancouver BC, Canada, so okay. I can relate to the cold weather uh, at this time yep, of yep. year. Grateful to be uh, now in uh, this kind of tropical area of the world, walking around with t-shirts and shorts and really enjoying the culture, the people, the food, et cetera. So uh, Joel, uh, you know, uh, welcome to the show. Why don't we get to know you a little bit better if you do a quick introduction? Yeah, thanks. So, um, you know, I'm from, I'm originally from the West. I'm from Utah and um, did my college work there, studies there. But then my wife and I and our oldest daughter moved here to Ohio, Columbus, Ohio. And I work at a university called Franklin University, um, just here, local university. Um, and we, we do, I do curriculum design for my work. So I build online courses, digital courses for the university and for other people, other organizations. Um, so I kind of lead one of the teams that helps do that. But about two and a half years ago, my wife and I and our oldest daughter decided to adopt four children. So there's a sibling group of four children that we came across as we were looking to adopt. And we felt really inspired and, and felt like we should adopt them. So we adopted these four kids. So now we have five children. children. And like you said, that really has a big toll on our big I wouldn't say toll, but a big impact on your ability to be uh, productive and to be able to have the impact you want in your life. So anyway, that was kind of my experience. So around the same time we adopted these four amazing kids, um, I had just started writing this book on how to get things done, right? And so anyway, it's kind of an interesting time to have to test out all of these things on trying to be a good dad, but also trying to still be a good employee, you know, and I have community and church responsibilities, and then also trying to get this book done. So anyway, it was a really interesting time to learn and test out ways to be more effective or more productive. 
Awesome, man. We'll do a much deeper dive into their productivity, but uh, because you mentioned the whole adoption of, for four siblings, that's uh, pretty remarkable. Uh, you know, yeah. even if you're adopting just one child is uh, a pretty uh, amazing feat. But the fact that you did four at once, uh, you tripled your, yeah. no, quadrupled your workload literally overnight. Tell us about that journey. So firstly, what made you adopt? Uh, and then uh, tell us a little bit about uh, from the decision to adopt and uh, some of the logistics and the processes involved with the actual adoption. Yeah, so I don't know how it is in other countries, but here in Ohio, you know, I can talk about the process and everything. But first of all, for the decision to adopt, you know, my wife and I, when we were um, getting married and when we were kind of first married, we kind of had planned to have a larger family. We're both from kind of a bigger family. I come from a family of six kids, and then she came from a family of four. And so we had planned on that, but then we had one child, and, uh, and that was plenty of work, as you know. And my wife had some health problems, and so it turned out that she could not. It wasn't a good plan for her to have more kids because of these health issues. She had a, a brain surgery a few years ago. So we thought, well, maybe it's, it's t we should do some adoption, and we talked about it for years. And then finally, we felt pretty confident that it was time to move forward and go ahead and adopt. So that was in 2015. So in the state of Ohio, and, and most places, at least in the United States, you have to go through some training, some classes to be certified uh, to be able to foster or adopt children. So we went through these classes for about a month or so. We had to have like a background check. And um, I think you, we also had to like get our fingerprints done or something. Oh, they came and checked our home to make sure it was a safe home. No like, spiders or snakes or anything like that. I don't know if you guys have spiders and snakes there in Central, <laughs> Central America. I'm sure you do. Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, probably a lot of and bugs. Anyway, so <laughs> right, lots of bugs, right? Yeah. So anyway, so we um, finally got through all those classes, and then there's this whole matching process where, you know, we have this sort of packet of who we are put together, and then the kids that are looking to be adopted have this whole bunch of information about them, and then our caseworkers kind of work together, and we got matched with this family and and they just came to our house one day and we had five kids it was astoundingly exciting while at the same time the most absolutely the most difficult thing i've ever done and i think my wife would probably say the same thing but we felt very inspired that this was the right thing and that they were meant to be our kids and so that carried us through all the months and months of sleep deprivation that is normal with having any kid, but then there's four kids and they're scared in this new house. And so they don't sleep very well and they're trying to learn what it's like to be a, to be a civilized person because maybe that wasn't taught to them yet. Anyway, it was a story I remember that was, like right now I'm sitting here at our dining room table and uh, after the kids had been living with us for about a week, one of our kids, well, several of them were just running around the table, jumping from chair to chair, just acting crazy. And, and after a while, we said, stop, stop, stop. Hasn't anyone taught you guys how to just have good manners? And they were like, well, no, nobody's taught us that. So we were like, okay, that's fine. Now we know we got to teach you how to have good manners. So we created Manners Night, and we had all these awards for people who would have good manners. It was very interesting to have to deliberately teach an eight-year-old. Maybe all eight-year-olds need that teaching, right? But anyway, we had to be really focused on it. So anyway, that's, and maybe that's the process that we went through. It was exciting and extremely difficult, but it was a good process. 
Awesome. So, uh, you know, from your uh, journey as an adoptive parents, uh, any tips or advice you give to other parents? Uh, you know, a lot of our readers on the daddyblogger.com website and social media, they might be thinking or considering an adoption. Uh, tell us about maybe some of the mistakes and some of the lessons learned, any advice you give to other uh, potential adopt, uh, adoptive parents too? Well, first of all, sorry, my camera is like tilting here, so I'll try to fix it. First of all, my, my wife is certainly way more expert than I am in that area. But I will tell you what I have observed and what we have sort of come up with together. So the first thing is um, structure, okay? I didn't realize how important this is, but for kids with a rough background or kids who may have um, some kind of a disability, it seems that structure and sequence of activities should be very consistent. So that's, you know, that can be tough to do, but so we have a very, very structured um, sequence we do. You get up around this time and you can shower during this time period. And when you have breakfast, you can only have these types of food. And then when it's bedtime, you always go to bed at this time, or dinner time is always at this time. And, and, you know, we were really good, especially my wife was really good at experimenting with this structure to see what worked. And, I mean, she was excellent at it. So we would tweak things and adjust things until we found what the right structure was. And any time we would vary from that structure, just because these kids' background, and sometimes when you're adopted, you know, or you go through this um, process of, you know, parents who didn't take care of you, or maybe you were abused or whatever it was, you have a background that makes it really tough for you to be able to cope with change for some reason, right? And so the structure is really critical. So maybe that's number one sort of advice. So I think you could ask yourself, well, do I put my kids to bed at the same time? Also, do I make sure they get enough sleep, right? So if you read the statistics on the numbers of hours that kids really should have to be healthy and to be just have a foundation of being able to behave well. I actually need a lot of hours of sleep. My wife was, and I were talking about it, and she said, okay, if you're, I can't remember the exact numbers, but if you're four years old, you have to sleep for at least 13 hours or something like that. So we, we put our kids to bed re, pretty early, earlier than maybe most people do, because we know, first of all, that they're going to get woken up by one of their siblings at six in the morning, and so are we every morning. Thank you, kids. And then the second thing is we just want to make sure that they can have that foundation because you know what it's like, right? If I don't get enough sleep, I'm an irritable guy. I'm kind of a mean guy, you know, and it's the same thing with kids. And they don't have the years of trying to master your emotions and take control of your body, right? They, they're just little kids. And so if they're, if they're sleep deprived, it's just wait, immediately starting off with a problem. So there's another thing, you know, we made our, we make our kids eat their vegetables every night. You just eat the vegetables. And sometimes that's like, at least when we first adopted our kids, that was a one hour battle, literally just sitting there. No, you eat those vegetables. Mm. No, nope, you're going to eat those vegetables. Mm. You know, it was a battle. But so now it's easy. And they eat the vegetables. And that good nutrition also goes a really long way. I don't even remember what we were talking about. It was, oh, advice, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Those are great tips. Uh, so structure is very key. Sleep, yeah. nutrition. Mm -hmm. Your veggies, that's applicable across the board. Uh, eating basics, man, right? Those are the basics. But they're easy to mess up too, right? They got to yeah. be strong on the fundamentals. Yeah, awesome. So uh, we also love covering our travel on our podcast. Uh, you know, uh, through our email exchange, I, I know that you actually spent some time in Guatemala. But tell yeah. us a little bit about your travels uh, yourself and uh, with your kids as well. Any major travel you guys have done? 
Well, so we most of our travel is within the United States, and we tend to like to go to. We started enjoying going to historical sites, like there's, you know, uh, this was like uh, Colonial Williamsburg is a really cool place to go, and we go to a lot of kind of national park type things as we travel. We, most of our traveling is back and forth to see family out west, and then Midwest and some areas around here. So for work, I've done a couple of different um, travels. I've, like I mentioned, I lived in Guatemala for half a year, and so the, at least for that situation, we lived in a little town called Patsacia in Guatemala. Um, it's just like an hour, hour and a half outside of Guatemala City, up in the mountains. And I taught English there. So most of the time was me just up in the mountains in these cornfields in the middle of nowhere, you know, um, just living with the people and, and teaching English, which was just a beautiful experience. And they're, you know, these are some of the most uh, kind and really uh, amazing people that I've known. Just, just really great people. So that was that was the first part, uh, one of the first things I'd done internationally. And that was about ten years. Or that was fifteen years ago now. I'm turning into an old person. So then, recently, um, I had a couple of uh, t uh, opportunities to travel to um, Saudi Arabia, actually, and that was about uh, four years ago. Wow, uh, four, three to four years ago now. And so I mentioned earlier that I'm kind of expert at building and designing online courses. And our university, it's Franklin University, they're really expert on online instruction, online courses. So there was a university in Saudi Arabia that had really started growing there, building this online university. And they kind of asked us to come and provide some training on how to do online instruction and how to build the online courses and so forth. So I spent a couple of weeks in Saudi Arabia. <clears throat> Excuse me. Again, just amazing, amazing people. You know, they're uh, beautiful people, kind, very gracious. Um, the cities that we went to, I was in Riyadh, which is their capital. It's a very big city. I think there's, as I recall, there's six million people that live there. Um, but really clean city, at least the parts that we were in. Um, and then I was in Jeddah, which is on the west coast by the Red Sea. Also, I think a bigger city too, one or, if I recall, one or two million people living there. But another just beautiful city. And we were able to go to some of their museums and see some of their just amazing um, uh, cultural, historical artifacts and so forth. And anyway, I love the, it's really cool. You know, they have their, in that uh, country, it's very, they're a very religious uh, country. And so um, Islam is the state religion, I guess, if that's the term you use. But so they would have the, you know, every three or four, I can't remember the exact number, I think five times a day, there would be the prayer call where someone would come on a loudspeaker and, and seeing this call to come pray. Uh, and it was just beautiful, just beautiful. So anyway, wonderful. Amazing, amazing. Uh, what stories? And I know Saudi Arabia is definitely big on a lot of people's lists, especially the people who want to see every country in the world. And it's quite hard to get visas and also, you know, good on you for getting yeah. to get that through the work connections there. Yeah, we were, I was, we were lucky and I felt blessed to be there. Sounds great, Joel. So uh, you're an expert in the area of productivity and you've written a book about it. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you got into it. Obviously, just being a dad of five kids, uh, you know, it, it, let alone, it, it, you know, affects productivity. Work like <laughs> right, right. Tell us tell us about your um, story there. What made you interested in that subject? Well, that is a good question. So, you know, I look back 
to, I guess, 20 years ago, right? When I was just finishing high school. And at that time, it didn't even, I didn't even have an inkling of what goals were or what it meant to um, set out and pursue something good. And, and I'm thinking specifically of like going to college, right? And earning a college degree. For some reason, I mean, I knew that was a thing to do and it was a good thing to do, but for some reason it wasn't even on my radar. So I just didn't even cross my mind that I would go to college. And so I, you know, I was, I, I'm a member of a church, the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, where young members of the church who are 19 year old, years old can go on missions for the church. So I decided to serve a mission and, you know, teach people about the church and about Jesus Christ and so forth. And in those two years, I learned the process of working hard and setting goals and working with people effectively and so forth. And so that was like this foundation where I started to realize, wait a second, I can actually set a goal and understand how to move toward that goal and accomplish it. So then fast forward, a, you know, a couple of years and uh, I started going to college at just a little junior college in Utah. And I read this book by Zig Ziglar about how you can set goals and reach goals. Any goal you want to accomplish, you can reach these goals. And I set this totally audacious goal that I would be able to earn a master's degree uh, in, in, you know, a university master's degree. And at the time I thought, I'm writing this down and I know it's possible, but somehow it doesn't seem possible. Like it just didn't even seem like a possible thing. But I kept learning more and more at studying, reading books after book after book, trying to figure out the process and the steps and the strategies for being a productive person. And so since then, you know, I've, <clears throat> I've learned another language. I've learned um, actually almost two languages. I've learned sign language for a while. Uh, I've, I've earned four college degrees. I've been promoted at work five or six different times in various locations, right? I've been able to write uh, articles that have been read by tens of thousands of people. And now this book that I've written, all because I've figured out how to apply these principles of of uh, productivity, if you want to use that term, but of prioritizing what's most important and then employing those toward achieving what's, what's really critical in life. And anyway, I'm just really, it's been a really cool thing. I've read, you know, I've read, it's got to be hundreds of books on the topic as long and as well as just messing up a hundred times and then starting over and trying to figure out how to get things done in the most effective, efficient way. And by the way, what is your daughter's name? She's really cute. <laughs> yeah, you'll see a daughter popping in out of uh, the, the interviews. By the I know, way, I saw daughter. her on a couple of the other ones I saw. They're really cute. Yeah, this is uh, Rianne. Do you have any questions for Joel? Yeah. Hi, Rianne. Questions for Joel. What? How old are you? Oh, what's my favorite what? Country? Yeah. Oh, my favorite country is the United States of America. Mainly because that's where I live and I really like living there. But I also like a lot of other countries. I've only been to a few, but I, I really like Guatemala. Did you like Guatemala when you were there? Did you guys go to see the pyramids? The Star Wars pyramid, remember? Yeah. yeah, Tikal. That's fun. That is really fun, huh? Yeah, I went to Tikal a long time ago, before you were even born. And, and they, I like it. I thought it was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. yeah. So, okay. uh, Joe, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we're in the crisp of the new year here. We're in mid-January. Yes. This is the time where a lot of people are setting those resolutions, setting those goals. And already, you know, mid-January, they're already breaking the goals, broken the resolutions, given up. 
so tell us a little bit about the process to set goals and, um, you know, set goals that are actually attainable and, you know, there's obviously the smart goal system, et cetera, but uh, really uh, goals that don't get broken 15 days after New Year starts. But tell us a little bit about that process uh, to reach your goals. Well, I mean, why do you think people set goals and then break them, right? So there's all, there are all kinds of factors that could be involved here, right? So it could be that, so let's talk about that for a second. Well, why do people not actually reach their goals? Well, there's tons of factors. Let's just look at a few of them, right? Well, first of all, do you really, really, really want to reach that goal? Like, do you actually want to do that goal? If you don't really want it, you're not going to do it, right? So it has to be something that really resonates with you on like a cellular level or a, a spiritual level almost, right? Because if it's a tough goal, like right now, I have a goal, and I've gained a lot, of, a lot of weight over the last couple of years when we adopted these kids. Of course, that's my excuse, but really, I just eat a little bit too much, right? So that's one of my goals. So am I super committed to that? Do I actually care about that enough that I'm going to go for it? Well, okay, maybe I could. Anyway, so you have to care, right? And there are some strategies you can use to really uh, create leverage to care about a specific goal, and I can talk about that a little bit here. Second of all, you have to understand how habits work, right? So habits have, if, so if it's habit related, right? So habits are, are sort of formed through our environment, right? And so we are sort of programmed to either avoid pain or to go toward pleasure or what's easiest. That's just how we work. Our bodies are designed that way. Our minds are designed that way. So we go for what's easiest or what avoids pain. So if you don't understand what that habit cycle is, that little loop that, you, that happens, or you have like a situation and you do something, you, you respond in some way and then a pleasure happens. If you don't understand that and you don't figure out how to short circuit that, then you're just kind of trapped in this loop that takes place. And there are some strategies for short circuiting those, uh, that loop of habits. And the other thing is, you know, if you look at it from a, um, there, there are some tools out there that some scholars use to analyze why people behave the way they do. Um, and some of them look at internal issues, right? Something that has to do with the individual. And then there's other environmental issues. So internally, you have the knowledge you need. You have the skills and the capacity to actually do it. And then some kind of motivation. If you don't have those, you just can't do it. And that works in the environment too. If there's not enough um, information for you to access in the environment, or people are not there to support you, or you don't have some kind of reward externally, then you're just not going to be able to do it. So there's all kinds of ways we can look at it to really figure out what the key issue is that's getting in the way of the goals. Anyway, so those are things that get in the way, right? As far as like strategies for setting goals, I'll just give you a couple here. So first of all, pick something you care about. If you don't care, it's not going to happen. That's just all there is to it. Um, the second thing is you can create leverage on yourself to be able to accomplish your goal. So what do I mean by that? Well, uh, there is a series, and I've written about this in some places, but there's a series of questions you can ask yourself about a goal. So, for example, I told you I want to lose 20 pounds, right? Really, it should probably be 30 or 40, but I'm just going for 20 right now. So, what if I, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> so I can ask myself a series of questions to help create pain in not doing it and pleasure in doing it. So, for example, what if I ask myself the question, what are the good things that will happen by me reaching this goal? And I force myself to answer 20, questions, 20 times that question. And then I say, oh, what are some of the really negative things that could happen? What bad things could happen to me or to other people if I don't reach this goal? 
and force myself to write 20 answers. Immediately, you're going to think, oh, wait a second, maybe I could really consider doing this a little bit more. But then what if I said, okay, um, what, are some of the, uh, what are some of the things you're telling yourself are getting in the way? of this, right? So you identify, oh, maybe I'm having these negative thoughts or that person won't help me do it or whatever it is. As soon as you identify what those problems are, then you, the next question is, well, how are those beliefs actually not true? So you're starting to sort of undercut this belief system that you've created in your mind about what's possible and what you're able to do. And once you start to understand that, oh, wait, a lot of those things are actually false, you're starting to create this sort of changed perspective on what's actually possible. Pretty powerful. I've done it on a few different uh, things and it can it can really go a long way to improving your capacity your motivation to move forward awesome uh, definitely some great insights there you definitely have to care about that goal can't just be haphazard just because okay every now is setting health goals i gotta do one every now is setting financial goals i gotta do one too right has to be something that's deep inner like you said like this uh, the spiritual component that uh, emotive component uh you know obviously that whole social factor um you know, keeping people uh, keep yourself accountable etc so uh, uh what if you uh, you know I, I guess the key things that you are good at uh inspiring people to do is get stuff done uh you know i think a lot of us uh, myself included uh, struggle with procrastination uh, we have these big hairy audacious goals and we have these big dreams and desires we put it off, we put it off, we put it off. So what would you say are um, some ways that we can actually conquer procrastination? Because I think that everyone who's watching and listening today struggles with to some degree. All right, I'll give you three things. And I, you know, the, the whole point, I'm gonna show you this book real quick. So I wrote this book here, and this is like a product of me, of a couple of, of years of me thinking and researching and studying it, right? So in this book, I, I, there's a whole bunch of ideas, but I'll give you a few um, for, the, for those procrastinators out there, right? So the first is, <clears throat> do it right now. So what is the thing that, I'm not going to, you don't have to answer this, or maybe if you want to, but what's the thing that you know you've been putting off that you really know you need to work on, right? What's that thing? Maybe it's something with your blog, or maybe it's something with your website, or whatever it is. But you know there's something there, right? Oh, I've been putting that off. Do that right now, right? I'm not telling you to do this, but you could turn off this thing and just go and get it done right now, right? or at least get it started. So that's the first one. Action is the vehicle through which all change takes place. Action is the vehicle of change. So if you don't take action, you're never done, right? So take some kind of action. Do it right now. When you stop watching this podcast, do it now. The second thing is a little trick that I call the 20 minutes of focus. So you, if I'm at work and there's something I need to do and I'm like, oh, I just don't want to do it because there's always something you just don't want to do. It's terrible, right? I just say, okay, I don't, I'm just going to set 20 minutes, a timer for 20 minutes. I just find some online timer on the internet, right? Set the timer and I say, I'm just going to force myself to do this for 20 minutes. That's all. I'm going to turn it off after that. And I focus on it for 20 minutes. And amazingly, what usually happens is the timer goes off and I say, okay, I'll stop in a second. And I just keep going. I keep moving. I keep moving forward, right? So that's the second trick. A third trick is um, what I call the charging bull approach where you set aside everything and you say, I'm gonna spend eight hours on this and I'm gonna drink a, a Red Bull or a Mountain Dew or whatever your preferred drink is, right? And I'm gonna go for it, right? Just charging bull, get done as much as humanly possible. I don't do that as often as I used to just because I burn out a little faster as my body ages, but it's a, it's a way you can do it. There really are, if, if you think about it, there's like two or three major um, strategies though. So those are like little micro strategies, you know, 20, 20 minutes of focus, 
But really, you can, uh, you can actually, you, you need to be careful to change your environment. You can actually hack your environment to facilitate getting things done. And I can talk about that a little bit more too if you want. You can, you've got to optimize yourself and take care of yourself. That has to be a huge priority. Your health, sleep, uh, doing the things that you care about the most. You've got to optimize yourself. Um, and then you just have to focus. And, and really what that means is let go of a lot of the crap that you let get into your life. Because everybody lets stuff get in. Like maybe you get addicted to some TV show and you're watching that TV show forever. Well, if that's literally taking up hours of your day every day, but you have this other big important goal, you just got to get rid of that stuff. Or maybe there's negative people that you work with, right? And they come in and they start talking to you and they're negative and they're complaining for a long time. You got to clear that out because that's just going to drag you down and get you away from, excuse me, what is most important to you. Anyway, those are some general ideas. I could probably keep talking, but I don't want to overwhelm you. Know. Oh, these are awesome, awesome, awesome uh, tips and advice here, uh, uh, Joel. Uh, so tell us about the book. Uh, you uh, briefly alluded to it there. Uh, yeah. Tell us a little bit more about the book. Uh, uh, you know that that's one the great thing that you've done, and I've done as well. I have a book that I published. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, I saw that. So a lot of people want to write a book, for example, but they, again, procrastinate, uh, leave it uh, behind, and then it just stays that idea in the mind. So walk us through the book in terms of, uh, uh, you know, the whole process to write it, get it published, marketing it. So tell us a little bit about that, the journey of yours as author. Sure. Okay, yeah. So, um, you know, I mentioned I had the idea, well, I, I committed to starting working on this about two and a half years ago, the book. I had the idea for it maybe eight years ago, and I was sort of kicking around in my mind for a long time, right? But what I realized was I had been studying this idea of just getting the most important things done for years. And I, sometimes I can look around and I see that people maybe haven't acquired, some people maybe haven't acquired that skill as much, right? And so um, they seem to want to be able to get things done, but they're having a hard time, right? <clears throat> so what I did was, uh, first of all, I, I as I started this writing process, I actually surveyed 60 professionals that I'm acquainted with and some of their friends um, and just asked them, guys, what gets in the way of you being able to accomplish what's most important to you at work, for example? And then I also asked, well, what gets in the way of, getting, of you actually accomplishing what's most important in your personal life, right? So those were kind of the big questions. And what, what we found out was people have too many responsibilities at work. They have negative coworkers that interrupt them. You know, they get short-circuited or sidetracked by people when they're trying to get their stuff done. Too many meetings, all these things that everybody pretty much deals with, right? Unless they're a super famous world traveler, daddy bloggers, right? Anyway, so there's all these interruptions that, that come and that get in the way. Um, and then for their personal goals, oh, sometimes I just, I just run out of gas. I just lose my motivation. Or... Well, it's just hard to balance everything out, everything else out, and when I'm it's the end of the day, I'm really tired, or you know, whatever it is. So I was able to identify what all these sort of things are that get in people's way to getting things done. So based around that, and so of course, some of my own thinking, I framed this book, and really there are four main principles that I I teach in the book, along with a whole bunch of strategies for these. But the first is, you've got to take action. We already talked about this a little bit, but you have to do. If you don't do in the right thing, then it's not going to get done. The second main principle, so I call, you know, it's four simple strategies. The second main principle is you have to f 
focus. Choose your focus. And you might have heard like the 80-20 rule or the Pareto principle, right? Yes. 20% of your actions produce 80% of your results. But there's still 100 units of things there. And so you really have to cut out 80% of the stuff that you, that you have in your life. So you can just focus on what is the most important thing. That's the second one. Choose your focus. The third one is um, you've got to, you can hack your environment. And there are simple things that we know from like uh, cognitive science and so forth that you can do to just make it so you can focus more effectively. So for example, like if you have a really messy or dirty desk, um, or you have a lot of papers around, or you have multiple windows open on your computer at the same time, you're automatically reducing your capacity, your cognitive capacity. I just read a study the other day that said that if you have your cell phone nearby, in your pocket or on your table, or even in a bag next to you, it literally uses up your intellectual resources. Just wow. your phone being nearby literally uses up your resources. Wow. And so what they found was if you took that phone and you put it in the other room, you had more intellectual capacity than when it's sitting next to you. That is just mind blowing. So some reserve in your brain is like thinking, oh, I wonder what's going on on my phone. Maybe I should check my notifications. Maybe I should check Facebook, right? Your brain is so smart that it can think about all these things at once. But to be able to get stuff done, you have to control your environment so you can focus in on what's most important. So clean desk, right? Get people away, noises. Yeah, make sure you have like a good drink that you really like or a little snack that helps you keep going. Whatever it is, control that environment so you can get things done. So that's the third principle. And then the fourth principle that I talk about is just optimizing yourself. You have to take care of yourself. Make sure you're feeling balanced. Make sure you are healthy, that you have um, the rest you need to be able to be productive. I was, you know, I've, I was reading a book by um, Greg McCune called uh, Essentialism. Amazing book, but he talks about this principle of um, focus, right? And what he says is you really have to uh, um, get rid of the things in your life that don't help you to be healthy or happy, right? If you, you have to get rid of those things or else you're, you're in trouble and you're just not going to be as successful as possible. So anyway, those are the four principles. All right, so you were asking about um, the process for writing. So I, you know, I... I'm a, I'm a scholarly writer, so I write for academic journals and so forth. So if you read those articles, they are so boring. I mean, they are just really boring articles. And so if you, um, like, anyway, so my writing style tends to be super boring. So the process I went through to make sure it was, like, actually readable and enjoyable and fun was I wrote the content, and I worked with my, my younger brother, who's an excellent writer. He gave me some feedback, and he helped me to realize, okay, let's make this humorous and actually fun and, and sort of engaging instead of ultra boring, right? And so we actually include pictures in the, I've, I've hand drawn some pictures to illustrate some of the concepts and so forth, just try to, to try to make it accessible. And then as far as just marketing the book, you know, I've got some followers on various social media outlets I've shared there. I'm, I'm going, reaching out to do some guest blogging. Um, I think we have that coming up for your blog. Um, and then other blogs, and then also just blogging and writing and, and uh, some YouTube as well. So those are kind of my process for sharing the book. Awesome, awesome. Well, you've definitely shared a lot of insights with all of our listeners and viewers, all about uh, productivity, getting stuff done, and eliminating procrastination, even some great tips about 